0: Thank you, Robert, and worship team leading us in worship. If you have your copy of God's word, open it up to First Peter chapter three. First Peter chapter three. Uh, we are talking about hope and relationships. And the very basic of all relationships really is marriage, is where two people uh, come together and they unite and join their lives. Uh, together, um, found this story that several years ago, or, or uh, as this pastor is writing, he said about 15 years ago, couples were married on a roller coaster in Tampa, Florida. Who knew? Um, they wore tuxedos and evening dresses. They were wearing headsets uh, through which they could hear their vows. They were legally married on the roller coaster that day. Of course, this goes on to says, "I do not know if something like that is appropriate or not, but it is a good analogy because marriage, for a lot of people, is like a roller coaster. There can be a lot of ups and a lot of downs, and many young couples never make it through the first down. But really on a roller coaster, that's the best part, isn't it? You know? Uh, so that's kind of like what marriage is. A, a, a very good analogy or illustration: marriage is like a roller coaster. You, you kind of have your up. You have your downs, you have your corkscrews, you have your loop-de-loops, and, you're ha- and you have those things, wow, I didn't see that one coming. Uh, but marriage is a lot like that. Here today, Peter is showing us that even in this most basic of relationships, that it still should give us a sense of hope, uh, not only hope, but a sense of security. But it also just basically gives us basic living applications of how wives should be to their husbands, of how husbands should be to their wives. But even more far-fetching than that or outreaching is that, uh, how we should respond when we have other relationships in and outside of the marriage. Now, uh, not to stand in order to read God's Word, we'll just read it here and get right on into the message. So here, 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 1, it says this, "'Wives, likewise, be submissive to your own husbands.'" that even if some do not obey the word, that's talking about husbands, if they don't obey the word, they without a word may be won by the conduct of their wives when they observe your chaste conduct accompanied by fear. Do not let your adornment be merely outward, arranging the hair, wearing gold, or putting on fine apparel. Rather, let it be the hidden person of the heart within uh, with the incorruptible beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit which is very precious in the sight of God. For in this manner in former times the, the holy women who trusted in God also adorned themselves being submissive to their own husbands, as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him lord, whose daughters you are, you are if you do good and are not afraid with any terror. Then verse 7, husbands, likewise dwell with them with understanding, giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers may not be hindered. So, Father, your word is here before us. Uh, May we listen to the Holy Spirit as he teaches us this morning, so that as we hear what he teaches, we will put it into our hearts and minds, and not only keep it there as a reservoir of knowledge, but, Father, put it into action, making it wisdom, So that as we go out and we live our lives, we're just living your word. So Holy Spirit, teach us. This is your time. For we ask and pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, church family, if you have pen and paper, let's start off with an outline this morning. As kind of is our custom here, number one is this, is our submitting lives give and show our conduct from God. That our our lives as we are being submissive in relationships— Uh, will show and give and show where we get our conduct from. And that conduct really does come from God. Now, Peter is talking about one of the most basic relationships that we have in the world today. And so he starts out with this, and he starts out with the one word that has caused a lot of consternation in our nation. Uh, Submission, submissive, being submissive. First off, we have to understand that in any relationship, uh, be it in the government, be it where you work, uh, be it with friends sometimes, and that can change, and also in marriage, that there are different roles that are played and, and, and let out. There usually is in a relationship, there is a leader and a follower. Amen. That's how it, it can happen. When if you, let, let me give you a basic understanding of that when you go into the military, I promise you there is a leader and a follower. And once you go into the military for the first time, I can promise you when you first get in there, you are not the leader. And they will correct you really quick that you are not the leader, they are. And basically, they will whip you into submission. How many of you can speak of that personally? Raise your hand if you served in the military. You know what I'm talking about, you did. You had your first basic real truth fear of God when you showed up for basic training and your drill sergeant, your, whoever was there, they, they told you we're in charge, you're not. Uh, there is usually a chief and a whole bunch of Indians, but you, you, you can't, you, you know, they always say that you can't have a whole bunch of chiefs. You, you gotta have somebody to follow. So there is always a, a leader and then there's always a follower. Now, that doesn't mean that if you're the leader, That you get to lead uh, by decrees and commands. Because true leaders don't need to lead by decrees and commands. A true leader will lead by example, by doing. And if they lead by example and by doing, and they're being the best that they can be, then those that are following them will will just kind of have this natural uh, um, drawing to that individual. It's like, well, if they're doing that, I'm going to do that. Does that make sense? Uh, a true leader will, will not have to lead by, thus says me, or you're going to do what I, I say. If, if you are that type of leader, it won't work. Uh, in, in these relationships, if you are dictatorial, in that it, it will fail. And the same way in a marriage. Husbands, you do not have the right to be a dictator. Ladies, ladies, that was your one chance. That was your one chance. Man, you husbands, y'all are like, don't do it out loud, but you are under your breath and, and just in your inner spirit. Yes. Uh, don't, don't say it out loud because you'll be in the doghouse and then we'll have to do marital counseling later. But Peter is reminding his readers that in the covenant relationship of marriage, there is a follower and there is a leader. Now, Paul would also mention this as well in Colossians three eighteen. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting to the Lord. And then that's key as is fitting to the Lord. That as we come together in marriage, there is a, a leader and a follower. But as is fitting to the Lord, let's let's camp there for just a moment in Colossians 3:18. As is fitting to the Lord. Did you know that in your relationship with Jesus Christ, there is a leader and a follower? And I can just go ahead and tell you on authority of God's word, we are not the leaders. We are the followers, okay? And if you want Jesus, I mean, yes. And, and if you want Jesus to be the real leader of your life, I mean, really, 100% sold out that he is, then get off the throne of your heart and let him have a full seat. Right? Saw a great skit one time um, at a church, and they had a really good drama team, and uh, they had a stool up here, and they had one guy playing Jesus and one guy just playing the average Christian, and you have. Uh, It was a a girl playing the average Christian. And you had the girl and Jesus fighting over who got to sit on the stool, you know. And and Jesus couldn't get all the way on because she kept moving him off. And at one point, Jesus said, I'm kind of half-cheeking it here. He goes, I like to sit all the way down. He goes, if you will let me sit down all the way on the stool, in essence, all the way on the throne of your heart, your life will be better. Amen. Ever seen the license plate? God is my co-pilot. Did you know that that is probably one of the most ungodliest license plates I've ever seen in my life? Now, if some of you are saying, he's talking about my car. If you have that on your car, I'm not talking about you. First off, God is the pilot. Just step back into first class and enjoy it. I mean, he's going to, even if you go through turbulence, he'll say, this is Captain Jesus. I have this. Let him guide you through that, okay? There is a leader and a follower. We are the follower. Jesus is the leader. In the same way, it's true in marriage. God has given us different roles. And as we have these different roles in marriage, it does not mean that the wife has lost any of her personhood. Now, what what is personhood? You as a human being, all that you are, that in the eyes of God, men and women are equal in the eyes of God As a person when Jesus died for humanity he died for everyone not just men not just women but he died for everybody when when, uh, you got saved God saved all of you he didn't save men more and women less does that make sense that has nothing to do with your personhood but in roles we have different roles men I'm gonna give you a chance to say amen aren't you glad men that God did not give us the role to birth babies Right, I'm telling you, praise the Lord, because if that were to happen, there'd be no children. It would have just ended with Adam. And uh, humanity would have ceased, only the two people that ever lived. Uh, but, uh, but he's given us different roles. We, we have different roles and different functions. And so it says that women, or that wives, are to be submissive to their husbands. Now, ladies, I know that you have no problem submitting to your husband when your husband's following Jesus when they're serving God studying his word and praying and they lead you to do the same you have no problem following your husband when he's doing that right it's when the husband's not doing that it makes it difficult it makes it difficult to honor him and then in so doing makes it difficult to honor the Lord But when a husband is trying to do his best to follow God, ladies, then just uh, submit to him and let him lead. Uh, Let him lead and, and do that lovingly because then you show that you're a team effort. Now, notice what else can happen that if you submit and you do it well. It says that even if some do not obey the word, the word of what? The word of God. If some do not even obey, they without a word may be won by the conduct of your lives. So there is the submitting conduct that we get from God. You show that you have this submissive conduct because it will show and also give to him and let him understand that your conduct is coming from God. That there are those occasions where for some odd reason in the course of a marriage that a husband might drift from God or even this, that a wife could drift from God. And then the husband's conduct needs to, to show and lead her where she needs to be. And that a wife's conduct will show and lead her husband where he needs to be. Does that work? Yes, because we'll see it here in just a moment in the Word of God. Uh, but that, is, uh, that, uh, that can uh, be the case uh, with this. Uh, matter of fact, I heard this one pastor say one time, he goes, when he used to do marriage counseling, uh, the number one complaint uh, that he would get would be that husbands are passive. She'd say, my husband is a go-getter from the word. Uh, he goes when it, when it comes to business. He is highly motivated and energetic. He takes on the world with a vengeance. He even takes on his sports with a vengeance. He is incredibly active in taking the initiative, but when he comes home and when it comes to the spiritual matters, he becomes passive. Sometimes he resents my spiritual growth as a wife. He resents it and he is jealous of it. He even puts me down. And that's really sad. Wives, If that's you, you continue to stand your ground and to be that godly woman that God has called you to be to win your husband back. Maybe even back to the Lord. Maybe he's drifted. Or maybe you're at the point where you're married to someone who is not a believer. You keep being that faithful, quiet witness and watch him come to saving faith in Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen? So we we see that. Paul would even tell us this in 1 Corinthians chapter 7 uh, of this kind of this quiet conduct in 1 Corinthians 7 verses 12 through 16, but let me just kind of point out some verses here in this passage, and it says, and a woman who has a husband who does not believe, if he is willing to live with her, let her not divorce him, for the unbelieving husband is sanctified by the wife, and the unbelieving wife is sanctified by the husband. Paul is saying in a little bit different way there, but saying the same thing. If you are in a relationship and your husband's not following the Lord, or even if your wife is not following the Lord, you continue to follow the Lord and don't berate them and beat them over the head with your Bibles like, you're not doing what God told you to do. You be that example. You show them Jesus through your actions and even through your words saying, I love you. I appreciate you. Thank you. But even more so through your actions and let them see Jesus through you. Does that make sense? Because that's what we need to do. Uh, It is so easy now that when you are in a marriage or when marriages happen, and literally when you are on that roller coaster and you get to about the third fall, then it just seems, for some other reason, just falls apart. But it shouldn't be the case. It should be in the hard times of the relationship of the marriage. That's where you grow closer to God and closer with each other. Because really in the marriage, there's three people, right? Jesus the husband, and the wife. And when the storms of life come, you know, batten down the hatches, get down in steerage, so to speak, hold each other, and let Jesus captain the ship. And he'll get you to safe harbor. But ladies, and even sometimes men, be that strong, faithful, quiet witness. Because here we see it in verse 2. When they observe your chaste conduct accompanied uh, by fear... The, the fear of what? The fear of the Lord, the, the respect of the Lord. Because if you are doing that unto the Lord, they will see that. They will observe it. They will see that you are trying to live the best Christian life that you can. Do we mess up and fail at times? Absolutely. Uh, but wouldn't it be great that as we see in Proverbs thirty-one twenty-eight, that if you're living, ladies, this great life, and eventually if your husband's lost, but he does come to find Christ because of your conduct, wouldn't it be great For this to happen, Proverbs 31, 28, her her children rise up and call her blessed, and her husband also and praises her. That's about the greatest compliment a lady could ever get. That the people around her, because of her, not to mean that you're just so demure and humble and and that you've been beaten to submission, but know that you're this proud, confident Christian lady. And sometimes, men, you kind of have to do that too if your wife's not living to the Lord, but you're just that proud, confident Christian. And you've been being being the example for Christ, where you are in that place, in that mission field of your own home. And because you've been living Jesus out, people recognize it, see it, and praise you for it. That that, that is a great testimony. And folks, listen, that that can take place in any relationship, being in the workplace, uh, even in the military, uh, wherever you go. Be in that strong, quiet Christian example, and people will tell that there is something different about you. So be that example where you are. Be that example where God has placed you, and watch how people will rise up and call you blessed. So our submitting lives show and, and give our conduct from the Lord, but now number two is that our secluding lives, our secret lives will give and show our concern from the Lord. Yes, that there are those parts of our lives that only God knows. Amen? Raise your hand. Amen? Yeah. There, there's things even in our lives that sometimes we don't even tell our spouses. Maybe, maybe it comes a little later that we tell. Maybe not. Uh, maybe we're just too embarrassed. We, we shouldn't be with our spouse, but it does happen. And you kind of see this here a little bit in verses three through six. Kind of the, this is what I would say the inward person, uh, the, the, the person on the inside. Verse three, do not, see, do not let your dormant be merely outward. Meaning how you come across. Now, Peter is not saying don't look good, right? He did not say that. He didn't say just let it all hang out. He didn't say you don't have to worry about going and buying the nice dress, put on a potato sack. Did he say that there? No. He said don't worry about so much the outward person. Notice why he says, do not let your adornment be merely outward, arranging your hair, wearing gold, and putting on fine apparel. Now, husbands, he is not telling you that you that you are not to go out and buy your wife a nice dress or something gold. Uh, diamonds are a women's best friends. Ladies, if you don't start amening me right here, right now, I'm gonna stop and pick it up. I'm trying to help you out as about as much as I can. You already let me down once. Let me start over again. He's not telling that the men shouldn't give you, shouldn't be able to provide for you to get your hair done. Wearing gold jewelry of any type, like that. Come on, ladies. And it says, putting on fine apparel. And we mean not just fine, but where I come from, fine. Fine, right? Okay, there you go. Woo! telling you, man, you're going to have to make me pull this horse cart myself. Uh, Notice what it says. Rather, let it be the hidden person of the heart with the incorruptibility uh, uh, with the incorruptible beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit which is very precious in the sight of God uh, so we see here that the inward person is much more important than the outward person again he's not saying let it all hang out uh, good example so if you would like to join my exercise group that I do um, I run six days a week Monday through Saturday at four thirty in the morning why 30 in the morning? Because it's not raining and it's very cool. Uh, just so you know, my routine is I get up right out of bed. No, I do not take a shower and I do not comb and hairspray my hair to go out for a run. It's right up out of bed. And, and I don't care at that time in the morning because no one's out there looking and watching me. Except for the toads and every once in a while a snake and just this past week a possum that I saw. I thought it was a cat at first. <laughs> in the neighbor's driveway, it was a possum. caught me by surprise. Uh, just yesterday, usually on Saturdays, I get up and run around between 8 and 9, and my hair is kind of, you know, all whatever. It looks like I kind of have half of a mohawk and half of my conservative 1980s hairstyle going on there. But I, I don't care. But I do care that when I do get home, I do shower, and, and I do change in order to be presentable wherever I need to go. Does that make sense? I mean, th- there's a time where, you know, um, th- th- there, there is a time when you need to look good, For either, or husbands, that doesn't mean that you can come home and put on your stained t-shirts with two rips on it and call it your church shirt because it's holy. She don't want to see that either. Uh, But that we do take the time, that we we do our best, but it's the inward person that really matters. Isn't it amazing that you can see some of the most attractive people in the world, but they're really the ugliest? Because when you begin to know them and that inward person begins to come out, they're like, I don't want to be around that person. And actually, and then what we would say their good looks actually becomes their bad looks. Yeah, we're not, Peter's not saying don't look good, but Peter's saying if you're going to focus on one of the two, focus on the inward person because that person's going to shine forth even better than jewelry, a dress, or a hairdo. And that's for men and women. But we're, we're talking uh, to ladies here. Ladies, do that because you're going to, through this, inward person that you are, you're going to win them back to the Lord. You're going to win them uh, to to a saving relationship with Jesus Christ. And we really see it there. Here's the real reason why ladies or even men in any relationship, if you are the follower, we're talking about the follower of the relationship, if you do this, why? The last part of verse 4, which is very precious in the sight of God. How you act is going to be displayed in how you look. And when we are acting Christ-like, then we look Christ-like. But if we act like Satan, then hello, we begin to look like him. And we don't wanna look like the devil, do we? We wanna look like Jesus, we wanna be like Jesus. Uh, We want to live for him. And so we have to make sure that the inward person, that we're focusing on that one, making sure that the inward person is being uh, adorned in the best possible way so that, why? so that God sees us precious in his sight. Not unto salvation, but from the salvation. And this takes daily, constant work. Just as if you are trying to stay fit and stay healthy, it takes daily, constant work. If you want to look good, it takes daily, constant work. We all get into those routines. You put on lotion or whatever. You put on all this other stuff. And men, you know you do it too. And we we put hairspray in our hair and do all that. We put on cologne. We put on nice clothes. That's daily, constant work. Well, your daily, constant work should be more involved with your daily, constant work and your growing relationship with Jesus Christ. Amen? It needs to do that. And so as we are working on the inward person, then God finds that pleasing uh, in his sight. And not only that, but it helps you when you share the gospel. Because if you're allowing your inward person to be changed from the inside out, then you are a greater witness for the gospel of Jesus Christ. People see the difference. People see that there's a difference in you and a change in you. And they're going to want to inquire, wow, what is it about that person? What is that kind of divine charisma that they have? I want to inquire about that. And then you get the opportunity to share the life-changing gospel of Jesus Christ with that individual. But no person wants to hear, an in, uh, hear the gospel from an individual. It looks like they hoovered maneuver a lemon for 10 years. Pastor, what is that? Where you look like some... I mean, you, 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 you're just hateful, right? Does anybody like to talk to a hateful person? No. We like to talk to joyful, smiley people. Joyful, smiley people. And as Christians, we need to be happy-clappy. Not frozen-chosen. If you're frozen-chosen, get defrosted. But, but let the inward person of who you are on the inside let it shine forth. Because when you go knocking on doors and you're inviting people to church, which is better? I mean, if let's say that you're on the inside and you have a believer and they greet you. Do you want to be greeted with something like this? Or you're going to get your, your nose bent out of joint, the person who's looking like that. Because no one wants to answer the door to someone who kind of looks half disheveled and whatever else. And so we as believers, we need to put our best foot forward, but that starts with the inner person, not necessarily with the outward person. So women do that and you do a great job of that. And now as we talk about the inward person showing where we get this concern from. Look here, then uh, Peter gives us examples of this. In verses 5 through 6, he tells us about Sarah. It says, For in this manner, in former times, the holy women who trusted in God also adorned themselves, being submissive to their own husbands. Now, how did they adorn themselves? Not necessarily so much on the outward, but on the inward. It says this, And as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, I am not telling you husbands that when you get home today, you were to tell your wife, You've got to call me Lord. Uh, you are liable to have half of your teeth knocked out of your head uh that won't be good uh then she's going to have to puree your food for you no but she will give you respect uh, she will do that because you are following hard after god now think about abraham i mean he's the father of the hebrew people he's one that we look up to uh was he w- was he an all at all times a good character no And neither was Sarah we do remember at one point in their lives in the account when you read of them in Genesis that Abraham and Sarah got before God a little bit and Sarah took matters into her own hands and thought well I'll give Abraham a son through my maidservant Hagar and she told Abraham say Abraham I know I'm your wife but I'm gonna let you sleep with another woman Abraham should have been smart enough to say no but men sometimes are boneheaded and he said sure well, who made the mistake? Both of them did. She should have never offered another woman to her husband, and he definitely should have said no. Uh, said she sh- I mean, even when she said, hey, I have this great idea. Uh, it wasn't a great idea, and uh, so it didn't work out, even to the point that it gave a lot of consternation in the home that after Isaac was born, Hagar and Ishmael, uh, which was the son that was produced out of this relationship, Hagar and Ishmael would make fun of Isaac, and Sarah couldn't take it anymore. And went and complained to Abraham until Abraham finally submitted to her and sent Hagar and Ishmael on their way. So uh, they, they weren't altogether good. But for the most part of their marriage, she followed Abraham. Followed Abraham to the point they left their hometown. They went to a foreign country. Uh, at, at one point, they were down in Egypt. And she almost became Pharaoh's wife and then came back. She followed him everywhere. Wherever he led, she went. She was the follower. He was the leader but she followed him because she was following God. And then in turn, she has a great place of reference in the Hebrew people because she respected her husband, but more than that, she respected God. So not only is our submitting lives, uh, they, uh, they give and show our conduct from God and our secluding lives or our secret lives uh, give and show our concern from God, but also too that our serving lives give and show our charity, From God Now, husbands, I wanna talk to you this morning. Ladies, you're off the hook now. But again, this can be vice versa. Verse seven, it says, Husbands, likewise, dwell with them, women, uh, with understanding, giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers may not be hindered. Husbands, likewise, dwell with them with understanding. Can I just say this for a moment? That ever since God made and cre- uh, excuse me, created uh, Adam and Eve, man and woman, man for over the eons, we have been trying to understand you, women. Can I just be honest this morning, man? Can I get a, you? Can say amen on this? Can I get an amen? Chickens, out there, we have been, haven't we? We have been trying to under. Well, we cannot. Now, men are men. Men, men we're just about as basic as you can get. If you feed us and we have a place to lay our head down and someone to love us, we're good, right? But, but we cannot figure you out. And some of you are thinking, well, that's the way we want it. But sometimes y'all got to give us a little help, some divine intervention. All right, men, let me give you some help here. Your job as a husband is not to try to figure all women out. Your job as a husband is to try to figure your one wife out. Don't go to another man and say, hey, what works for you? Because what works for him and his wife will probably not work for you and your wife. Can I get an amen on that? Just as every woman is different, every man is different, and every marriage is different. But it says right here, it says, Husbands, likewise, dwell with them with understanding. We need to be understanding toward our wives. Uh, We need to make sure that we know who they are. Now, in this, Peter has been setting up this whole thing about relationships. If you remember back in this whole thing, that going all the way back to verse 11 of chapter 2... Uh, Peter was talking about our relationships before the world. Peter is going from the top down to the basic. If Paul was writing this, Paul would start from the bottom up. Paul would always start from the bottom up. Peter's starting from the top down. As believers in the world, we need to make sure that we have a good relationship with the world. Then the next context of this relationship is our relationship with the government, going back to verses 13 all the way through verse 17. Honor those who are in leadership over you. Honor those in government. Honor those who are over you, so to speak. And then if you remember going back to verses about 18 through really about verse 25, it was our relationship with our employers that he talked about master and servants, but in our context, it would be employer and employee how we relate to our employer. If you're the employer, how you relate to your employees is just as vital. And now we get to the basic of our relationships between man and woman. And it is our job as husbands to understand the one woman God has brought us together in covenant marriage love relationship with. We are not to go out here and read books about, hey, this worked for me or this can work for you. No, your job is to make sure that you understand who your wife is, what helps her, and in so doing, she will follow you because she sees that this is a team effort. Men, does that make sense? Say amen. Chickens. Just say amen. Just say amen on credit. Listen, I'm telling you, when I tell you to say amen, she's sitting beside of you. You want her to say, that's my husband. Now she's sitting there thinking, why didn't he say amen? Just trying to help you out, guys. Um, uh remember uh of the story of this pastor talking to this young man right before he gets married and uh the young man is getting married and when he said he says this he goes when I said I do uh he looked at the preacher and said preacher is that the end and the preacher said no son it's just the beginning when you said I do it doesn't like you got her and then you just let all hang out and you didn't have to work no Marriage is probably the hardest job that there is, right? Men don't say amen. Ladies, go ahead and say it. It is. It is a hard job. It's a hard career. Jobs you can change. Careers you most time don't. It's a hard. It's a hard career, because you're in it for the long haul. You're in it for. How long? Some of you are saying, Pastor, but you don't know how hard this long haul has been. I understand that. Um, But it's for the long haul. And husbands, how you act in the marriage, that's how she's going to act. If you berate her, she's going to berate you. If you're condescending to her, she's going to condescend you. If, if you're not supporting her, she's not going to follow you. Understand who your wife is. Let me give you some advice, advice that I should have done more so of when I was married. Let me, let, let me uh, give you the advice. Men, you want to know the secret to marriage? it it took me about five years men do you want to know the secret to marriage hey ladies that's y'all's problem now go go ahead take it men do you want to know the secret to marriage those of you who are married let me give you a word it's a let me make sure i have it's a six letter word and if you'll do this you'll be good can i give you this word let me give you this word here it is if you're, if, you're, if you're paying attention, say amen. Man, wives, if he didn't say that, give him a good rib kick. Let me give you the secret to marriage. Are you ready? Listen. Oh my gosh, some of you satellites are linking up in orbit. Some of you are like, oh my gosh, that's the most profound wisdom I've ever heard. No, listen, L- listen. We as men don't listen. Sometimes when our wives speak, it's like there's a hole from this ear all the way to the next ear and it just goes right out. I always wondered, being married, how can a husband sit there and watch TV and she's talking and not hear a word she says? I I know, right? Because, ladies, haven't you said, what do you think? What? You're sitting there like that. We don't know. But listen, you want to be understanding toward your wife? Listen to her. I don't know what she likes. Every time I buy her something, it's always the wrong thing. You want to know why it's the wrong thing? Because you didn't? Ladies? There you go. Man, I'll take this on the road. We don't listen. We don't listen. To be understanding. Notice this. And then when we listen to what her needs are, we are able to give her the honor that she needs uh, and, and weaker here doesn't mean in, uh, necessarily in value or anything, but it does mean in terms of the relationship. But notice this, that if we were to do all these things, it says, and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that if anything else that you want to understand your wife and ladies, that you understand your husband and that you're working with this together and working in this together, remember the one thing that both of you are heirs, listen to what it says, heirs together of the grace of life, that you are heirs of the kingdom of God. If you don't work on your marriage for any other reason, work on your marriage for this one reason, that you are believers in Jesus Christ, and that in turn should spur you on to do what God wants you to do. And then Peter says, if that doesn't help you out, then this should, that your prayers may not be hindered. Pastor, are you, are you saying... That if I'm not understanding my husband or wives, if, if I'm not submitting to my husband, that my prayers could be hindered. Not being hindered that God doesn't hear because God hears them all. But it, it could be hindered that if we're not walking in the will of God, that when we do pray, the prayer is not going to get answered. Does that make sense? Now, how many of you want your prayers answered? Right. Then, live right and do right and do marriage Right amen? Because I want my prayers heard. And I want your prayers heard. And our prayers are heard all the time. But more than that, I want my prayers answered. I want your prayers answered. Nothing to hinder. Nothing to hinder our prayers from being answered. or, Or being revealed to us. So that's what we need to do. And when we do that, we show that we are living the way that God wants us to live. I want to close with this story. I really do like this story. This is really neat. Uh, There was a man a few years ago riding down a country road, and this tells you how far back this went. This was at the uh, turn of the last century, and uh, he was driving an an old Model T Ford. He had some car trouble, and the car just finally sputtered and stopped, and he couldn't get it started again. His uh, wife was with him, and a stranger came along and asked him what the problem was, and he said, I don't know. I, I can't get it started. So the stranger said, well, let me take a look at it. He went back to his own car, got a few tools out, made a few adjustments to the Model T, and it cranked right up. Then the man said, how did you do that? And the stranger said, well, I'm Henry Ford. (laughs) Hope in your relationship? God is the Henry Ford of our marriages. And God is the Henry Ford of all of our relationships. You want hope in relationships knowing that there's someone with you or to know that things are going to work out? Then call the Henry Ford. Call on God. Not only that, folks, read the manual, and it will work out. And you will have hope in your marriage that you've never had before. You'll see your marriage prosper. You'll see your relationship with your boss or with your employees prosper. Pray for our country so that we can see our country prosper, not necessarily monetarily, but spiritually, folks. If we can get the spiritual side of our country right, then everything else will work out. Hope in relationships. Call on the one who made it. And if we call on the one who made it, he'll be the one that can fix it. With every head bowed and no one looking around this morning, Maybe those of you who are here married, maybe just do an altar call this morning. Husbands, this is going to be on you. Maybe bring your wife down and pray over her at the altar. Just come down and just like, let's, honey, dear, sweetie, let's just go down the altar, let's pray. You do that here in just a moment. To get that relationship back where it needs to be. Maybe your relationship is doing really good. Hey, never hurts to pray. Never hurt, hurts to maybe just kind of bolster it up a little bit with prayer. So take time, bring your spouse down, pray. If your spouse isn't here this morning, maybe they've already gone to be with the Lord and you had a a really good marriage, maybe just come down to the altar too and praise God, say, Lord, thank you for my my great husband or my great wife. Thank you that I had such a great spouse. Thank you for the years that we had. Uh, Thank you for the children that blessed our home from it. But maybe just maybe this morning you were here and you don't know the Lord. And it is my duty and privilege to tell you, you need to become a child of God. You need to be saved. That's what we call it. You need to be connected with Jesus. And so if you don't know Jesus this morning, that if you were to die right now and you're not 100% sure that you would go to heaven, please listen to what I have to say. There's a God in heaven, his name is Jesus, and he loved you so much That he came here and he lived with us, with human beings on this earth. He showed us the face of the Father. He showed us the goodness of the Father. And he really showed us how much the Father loved us. He showed us so much of how God loved us that he was willing to die on a cross to take your sin and my sin and make it his own sin. There he died on that cross and he was buried in three days later. Because he told people that if people would believe in him, he would give them eternal life. So when Jesus was raised three days later, he validated everything that he said. And so my friend, this morning, if that's you and you don't know Jesus, and you want him to be the Lord and Savior of your life, we're going to sing a song here in just a moment. And as we sing, we have our counselors and they're making their way to wherever they need to be. And as we sing this song, and if that's you and you want Jesus, I'm going to ask you to do something very courageous. I want to ask you, as we sing, you walk down the aisle and speak to one of these counselors here at the, at the heads of the aisles this morning. And they'll tell you what it means to really to follow Jesus. Maybe you want to join our church. This is a great time to do it as well. And you would do the same thing, be courageous, stand up, walk down the aisle, come to one of the counselors and say, hey, I, want to want, I want to join downtown Baptist Orlando. Our whole mission at this church is to connect Jesus with Orlando. Some of you are like, wow, that's a lot of people. Yeah, but I have a great and big God and I know that he can do that. But we want you to come and help us. So if that's you this morning and you want to come join our church, please do. So Father in heaven, this morning this is your invitation. Maybe couples want to come down and pray. Maybe others want to come down and say, Lord, thank you for the spouse that I had as the time that you gave them to me. Maybe others need to come down for salvation or to join. But Father, during this invitation, may you lead and may we respond in obedience. For we ask and pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand? Would you sing? Would you respond this morning?
1: Just as I am without one but i yeah.
0: that we can come just as we are at any time to know that you love us and so we give you honor and glory and we pray in Jesus name amen please be seated as our deacon of the week comes and prays for our offering today it's going to be brother Jim come on up brother Jim